Welcome to Focus on the Founder. This is your host, Alan Miller from Matrix Partners. Today, we're very excited to be joined by John Stein, the CEO and co-founder of Betterment. Welcome, John. Thanks, Alan. Great to be here with you. So, John, your background in, in many ways has been perfect for what you're doing now at Betterment. You know, for example, you, you had the opportunity to work at, at First Manhattan Consulting Group, where you were consulting and working with some of the world's largest banks uh, and financial institutions. How did your background and early experiences lead you to sort of building Betterment? And what did you sort of notice about sort of conventional financial products that kind of really opened your eyes to this opportunity kind of, you know, back in 2007, 2008? That's right. Back then I was working to consult for some of the country's largest banks and brokers. I was really lucky to have that perspective into the, the financial world. And um, I just, I was, for one, I got to learn from a lot of really smart people. Uh, my, my colleagues were great, the, the, our, our clients were great. Um, but I also got to see how the banks were, were working on the inside. And, uh, and I saw a number of opportunities to improve upon uh, the existing model. I saw, for instance, that many of the banks uh, weren't thinking enough about their customers. Some of the work I did was product development work, and I could go on a six-month engagement with a client, and we would optimize everything around default rates and internal transfer pricing and, and so on, and after six months, never have talked with a customer, but be launching a new, you know, a new update to a product. And I thought that was uh, strange, and, uh, and I talked to some of our clients about it. I, I even talked to one of the partners at, uh, at, at my firm about it, and, and, uh, and he said to me, John, there's some businesses that make money off of money, and there's other businesses that make money off of people, and we make money off of money, uh, which is a way of saying, you know, the, the, the data is all we really need to know, and, uh, and things aren't, aren't going to change much beyond that. And I had this view that we could really be more creative in, in the products and services that we were providing and rethink things. And we could get outside of the traditional regulatory-defined uh, product uh, constraints that this is a savings account, this is a checking account, this is a mortgage. Uh, and I got that idea uh, from, from some of my experiences. For, for instance, uh, I did work in Australia. And in Australia, they have this cool product that I'm sure lots of your listeners know about that called a mortgage offset product that combines a, a deposit account and a mortgage account. And I remember thinking, well, isn't that clever, uh, the way they, they put those things together? And why doesn't that exist in the U.S.? And what's keeping us from, from doing things like this? And I thought about a lot of ways that, um, that I could innovate, um, and I had opened many different brokerage accounts over the years uh, as I was consulting and uh, and trying to invest the, the earnings that, that I had. And I found that all of them were steering me towards products that they wanted to sell me or, you know, towards behaviors that were unquestionably best for the brokerage firm. And a very few of them did anything to really optimize around what was right for me. And I thought, well, here is, uh, here's my opportunity. This is a place that's just tremendously underserved and there ought to be great financial guidance that's human and accessible to everyone. And, uh, and so I, I, I thought to, to build that and knew from my experience in the industry that, uh, that I would have a good shot at, at getting it off the ground and, and getting 
so you, you, you identified the opportunity and you saw that there was something here, but you, you realize you, at some point, right, like most founders, that you can't do everything by yourself. And so how did you go about going about the sort of super important task of building an initial team, you know, while you were at business school at, at Columbia? And how did you find your co-founders and, and kind of really decide that you're going to kind of go out and build this with them? Well, embarrassingly, I did for a while think I was just going to do it all myself. I have I have documentation of the fact that I, I can look back at 2006, uh, you know, business plans, and the only expense in, in employees in a in a projection model that I built is me, and everything else was like services that I would contract. Uh, I really thought I would just kind of do do, do it all, um, and obviously that's not a that's not realistic. And uh, thankfully, I. Uh, I learned a lot while, uh, while in business school and through talking to, to many friends and, and peers and, uh, and advisors over the years about what, what it would take. And my, my roommate at the time when I went to business school, I kind of flesh out. I knew going into to business school, by the way, that I, I wanted to start this business. And, and I had the name already at, at that time. I knew it would be called Betterment, and I wanted to figure out what exactly – uh, how we would provision our services. I, there were a lot of unanswered questions, and I hadn't built a lot, but uh, but I, I knew I wanted to work on the idea while I was there. And my roommate was an engineer at, at Google, Sean Owen, and he was uh, was Betterman's original CTO. And Sean gave me uh, all the guidance I needed to start coding a friend. He himself started coding the back end, and boy, we wouldn't be anywhere without without that initial relationship. Uh, and then. Uh, while, uh, while we were working on coding up some early iterations, I, we had to figure out the regulatory side of things. And I bought like 40 books uh, on Amazon and some of the other, you know, like professional journal sites on investment regulation and derivatives and uh, uh, trust and estate rules and banking policy and blah, 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 everything uh, in financial regulation to understand it. And I just, I really read all this. I actually like went through it, and it was just I realized that it was a lot of work, and that uh, if I were just to focus on that, I wouldn't be able to actually do the customer development and, and product development that, that I wanted to do. And so, uh, in talking to friends, I uh, I talked to my friend uh, Eli, uh, who uh, I had met over a weekly poker game uh, that we played a, a while back in 2003 or four or so. After after he. Uh, he cleaned me out enough times, uh, I, I, I pretty quickly gave up on playing the game, but we remained friends uh, nonetheless. And Eli was, had been a security player for a while and was game to take on this role of, of managing our, uh, our our regulatory setup. Uh, and so we met and had, had lunch up near Columbia at a Dominican restaurant on Amsterdam Ave and kind of quickly hashed out an operating agreement between us. And I was so excited to hand off all those 40 books to him for, for his library rather, rather than mine. There were a lot of shelf space, um, you know, uh, uh, physically and, and, and figuratively both. Yeah. So then you, you ended up, you know, kind of displaying this at TechCrunch tech Disrupt uh, and ended up winning that. And then you had to sort of go about the, the you know, proverbially challenging task of fundraising and have since done multiple rounds of fundraising. So what would be some advice you would have uh, maybe learnings that you learned along the way to other, you know, founders who are thinking about raising, you know, the seed or Series A round. How would you advise them to sort of navigate that process? 
been building the business this sort of robo advisor business for a decade right at this point what are some what are the key lessons you've learned along the way and is there anything you would have done differently if you looked back and could do it over again uh, now that you know what you know well let's see we, we talked about uh, a couple of lessons we talked about uh, you know kind of uh, being ready in the, in the early fundraising and, and that you'll need partners and bringing together a team is, is important and uh, on the one hand, it's hard for me to think about things I would do differently because even though I've learned lessons all along the way and continue to learn every day, sometimes the, the mistakes feel necessary and things have worked out so well. I feel so, so fortunate that it's hard to say, well, I wouldn't have done that because, uh, you know, in, in the end, each of those, each of those got us to, to where we are. If there's, if there's a thing that, you know, I, I continue to, to think about every every day and, and want to do better always. Well, you know, maybe a couple. I mean, one is one is just channeling our customers. I, I said that, that my 2018 resolution is to just truly channel our customers for the organization. And, you know, I almost 
in a sense, shouldn't have to say that because, of course, that's something that we do all the time, right? Like, we're always talking to our customers. But, you know, as the company grows, it just it becomes so important to remind everyone of who we're serving and, and bring that, that voice of the customer into every interaction. I think we do a good job of that, but it's just it's so important. It is, it is everything, right? It's how we make decisions. And, um, and I want to make sure that, that the customer is, is heard. Uh, and so we're improving that always, and I think that's an important important lesson and, and something I want to continue to improve on. Um, and, and another is uh, is, is my uh, my relationships with all the teams here too. I think I feel really lucky to have, have brought together this team that we have. It's one of the privileges of, of being a, a founder and, and a CEO is you get to build the culture and, and the, the individuals that, that you bring together. Uh, who, who make that culture? I love I love my team. I love working with them. I, I just uh, and I I want to continue to invest in those relationships. And as we scale, uh, the, the nature of them necessarily changes. And, uh, and and so I'm invested in figuring out how to optimize all of that and, and make the most of this incredible team that we've assembled. Yeah, so shifting gears a, a little bit and, and talking about some, some more recent developments at Betterment, you guys have recently added human advice to this whole process, right, through unlimited text messaging services and a, a premium telephone uh, service line. Can you talk to me a little bit about that kind of hybrid advice strategy at this point, right? When does it sort of make sense for, you know, pure reliance on robo-advice versus maybe adopting a little bit more of this sort of personalization through text and phone and and tell me a little bit about the strategy there that you guys are pursuing with that kind of feature our vision is to provide excellent guidance that is human understandable and available to everyone excellent financial guidance is the core of, of everything that we do it's the, the, the essence of, of our of our of our vision and it is uh, it's a big part of our strategy for 2018 is continuing to improve that, that guidance. Guidance can come in, in uh, many forms. For most, for the vast majority of our customers, um, the way that it comes to them is through all of the amazing automated services that we've, that we've built. We've, we've automated things that just a year ago were only accessible via a fairly manual process uh, from uh, from a human advisor, like asset location, we can take your uh, your money and uh, shield your dividends from taxes by putting them uh, high dividend paying things into the right account. We can optimize between your Roth and your traditional IRA and put the right assets in each, and so that you maximize the the, the returns on your money across all of your your different accounts. That's something that that nobody else does in, in the industry. Um, Unless maybe you're paying like a, a human to do it, and then it's a very expensive manual process. And we made that accessible and available to everyone, just automatically. It's part of the product, no additional fee for that. So um, we've automated a lot of really uh, amazing services. That said, there's there are people out there who who want to um, better understand uh, some of these some of these services, and and they call us and they want to understand how everything works, and maybe they want to understand. How it applies to their particular financial situation. And as much as we automate uh, uh, financial advice, there's value in having conversations and relationships for, for a lot of folks, and they want to have that uh, that, that level of, of interaction. We continue to provide that uh, through uh, through our own financial experts and through the uh, 
part of what we're doing uh, here in, in this vision of guidance is personalizing, right? And there's a huge amount of personalization that goes into um, every plan that we produce via our software. Uh, and one of the, the vectors that some people like to personalize is they want to have someone, you know, talk them through it, or they, they want to help help planning something that's not yet uh, automated in, in the software. And so, and so that's available to people who want it. Yeah, that's uh, that that's really interesting. You know, the other the other thing that's interesting about Betterment is you guys have placed a pretty big premium on educating the end customer, right, through sort of these articles and um, some would call it content marketing, but it's really articles around personal financial management, around savings, around managing taxes, and so on and so forth. So can you talk about that strategy a little bit more and kind of why you guys place such a great emphasis or a huge emphasis on educating the customer through this sort of uh, these articles and what what have you. We write and we reveal ourselves, our our experts who we have on the team, uh, the people behind the software, um, the people who are writing the algorithms that that, that power uh, the personalization guidance and, and performance that we deliver for our customers. To let our customers know who we are. Uh, we want to we want them to know how we think and why we do the things we do and uh, why we think what we think um, because trust is such an important part of uh, of selecting someone who manages your uh, your 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 network right like who, who's managing all the savings and all the money you you worked so hard to earn you really need to trust the people who are doing that so writing is is a way of uh, of opening uh, Curtain, right, so people can get to know us uh, and understand uh, understand who, who Betterment is is made up of. I think there's been a lack of transparency at some financial institutions, and some like to make things sound more complicated than they really are. They like uh, you to think maybe you you can't understand it, um, and that's a way that they extract more more fees. We like to think the opposite. We like to think that. You know, an educated consumer makes more intelligent decisions. We're the most intelligent decision with your money. The more we educate you, the more likely you are to choose us. We're a fiduciary advisor as well, right? We, we're, we're obligated to act in the best interest of our customers. And so in all of this content, we're really conscious of this duty to, to do right and to explain, you know, where, where we're the right solution and where we may not be, right? There's, uh, you know, I think we best serve probably 80% of people. I think we're better for, for almost, for, 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 for the vast majority of people. Um, but we want to be really clear about, you know, what we can't do yet and, uh, and where, we're, where we're going from here. One of the other interesting features you've recently added to the product is this whole uh, social responsibility component, right? The sort of SRI portfolio option. Why did you create this product? Was this something you heard feedback from some of your customers? You guys come up with it on your own. What was the motivation behind that feature? It's increasingly popular uh, now because it's increasingly possible, I believe, to align your uh, investments with your values. And we started hearing from customers that they wanted this, and there weren't really great options out there to build a well-diversified, you know, and, and personally responsible portfolio that also uh, reflected uh, your, your values and was socially responsible. Um, sure, you could buy an individual stock or an individual ETF that it kind of was, uh, was, was uh, socially responsible, but that wouldn't always, you know, fit into 
an, an intelligent financial plan for you. So we put together really the, the best, most diversified um, and, and highest rated uh, socially responsible uh, product that's on the market today using uh, some of these ETFs. We're putting them together in a way that just makes sense for, uh, for the average investor who wants their, their money uh, and investments to reflect their values. We heard about it from customers, and so, and so we delivered it. And it's part of a greater narrative, I think, of, of personalizing our assets around what our customers want. Right? We listen to them. They tell us how they, they, they tell us what guidance they want. They tell us what personalization they want. Uh, and then we build it. So last year, we delivered a lot along that theme. We had some even, even before where we were personalizing around your situation, your goals, obviously. Betterment has always been a goal-driven platform, so every, every customer is unique and has unique goals, and therefore their portfolios are unique. And we did location-based personalization around if you're in New York, you can get New York muni bonds. If you're in California, you get California muni bonds. And that's, you know, personal tax optimization for you. And we talked about asset location earlier, and that's a personalization. And now we're incorporating more of our customers' values and their views uh, and, and, and additional forms of personalization. You'll see us continue down this road over the year to come uh, and uh, continue to make uh, the best, most personalized guidance uh, that, that is available on the market. So shifting gears a little bit away from the product and, and more around the sort of landscape here, can you talk a little bit about the incumbents, right? We've seen a lot of them kind of enter the market. Obviously, Van, Vanguard and Schwab uh, have been pretty active. How do you think about this sort of path forward and how do you position yourself, you know, to sort of stand out against some of these other, you know, robo-advisors that are popping up, whether they're incumbent or even new, new entrants? A lot of thoughts on this, uh, on this topic. One is that uh, the incumbents, the big financial institutions, uh, have some advantages in terms of uh, in terms of distribution reach, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you know that they have every advantage, right? Like they're there, they have customers, but customers aren't enamored with financial institutions. Trust for financial institutions in the annual Edelman survey remains the lowest among all industries, and is as low as it was in 2000. Eight, immediately after the financial crisis. People haven't really regained trust in financial institutions. And it's easy to see why. There continue to be scandals every year in these big companies. Even recently, uh, there was a story in this last week about how Schwab and, and others uh, were incentivizing brokers to sell the wrong products to customers. These are just problems with their business models and with the, the cultures that these large financial institutions have built that aren't going away. Meanwhile, um, there is relatively high trust in, uh, in uh, more technology-driven companies that can uh, uh, eliminate some of the inefficiencies and rethink some of the business models uh, and build services around customers. So, so tech companies actually have the highest ratings for, for trust uh, in these surveys. So uh, we have some advantages there uh, in just being uh, uh, part of the, the solution to the, the industry's problem. 
Right. And then extrapolating even even further from the sort of space, but looking at sort of the macro environment we're in right now, obviously it's been a, a pretty big bull market. I think this past year, the S&P 500 went up 20, uh, 21 plus percentage points. And, um, you know, obviously it's, a, it's good times, right? How do you see the investment landscape kind of moving forward? Do you believe that sort of passive investing in a company like Betterment will will stand the test of time versus active investing? And what would your what's your take on kind of the sort of cyclical nature of this industry and, and what you would advise a customer to do if we do encounter uh, a bear market pretty soon here? Again, I have a few thoughts on that. First, we don't talk about Betterment as being, quote, a passive investment platform. That's not a term I like. I think it's an old-fashioned term. I don't understand how you distinguish what's passive versus active anymore anyway. Kind of, uh, maybe it made sense when the first index you know, track fund came out to distinguish that from a, a room full of stock pickers, but very few funds are like truly, completely, um, uh, you know, uh, active, whatever that means, active or passive anymore. I'm not sure. There's smart beta and any, you know, quote, active portfolio managers using algorithms, uh, you know, to, to screen companies and figure out what they want to invest in. And every passively managed fund is uh, an active decision about what index you want to track and how that is composed and what are the rules around it and so on. So um, it's very gray to, to, to use those distinctions. We talk about ourselves as evidence-based and we make rational decisions based on evidence and we let technology uh, automate um, a lot of our process. Uh, and then supervise that with really smart, you know, uh, PhDs and CSPs and CFAs who uh, were watching the technology and uh, and then uh, and then uh, in, in, a building it and then uh, implementing the output of it because I think the tech is, is much better than people at, at certain parts of the investment process and and less and, and, and more and more rational. Now uh, I'd also say that um, you, your question was about a, a bull market and you know just. Uh, you know, do these more uh, uh, low-cost and evidence-based strategies continue to perform well uh, in a down market? Well, absolutely. Uh, you always want to be minimizing your cost uh, in any in any market. You always want to be uh, reducing your tax burden in any market. Things like our TLH takes advantage of, uh, of downturns and actually provides higher returns to people uh, in those times when the market is down then, you know, strategies that, that don't do that for you. Um, we, uh, we also work to optimize customer behavior and try to avoid market time. Uh, when people panic, that's a big source of, um, you know, reducing their returns. That's within behavioral uh, biases uh, are one of the biggest drags on returns. And so we put a lot of investment into making sure people do the right thing, stay the course. We, uh, we, uh, we have proven that, that, uh, that these, uh, services reduce trading significantly uh, during market events, uh, and uh, and that's for the good of our of our customers, uh, you know, net net long term returns. So we're we're demonstrating success at, at basically helping people through the through the hard the hard times. Awesome. This has uh, been super super interesting and, and and great to hear the story. I think that's about all we have time for for today, John. So thank you so much for for joining and, and all the best at, at Betterment. Um, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. It was fun.